0: So we're talking about entering in, and it's entering into the atonement. We're going to talk about the Day of Atonement, and um, which is very special and very significant. We're going to um, we're going to talk about about what that means, what it meant to them, what it means to us. You know, we can't enter in, we can't possess God's promises unless we know how to come to the God of the universe and enter into his presence. The children of Israel couldn't go to the promised land until they learned about the Day of Atonement and how to come to God, how to approach God, how to let God in. God came. God wanted to be near them. That's what all that we've been studying is about. In Leviticus 9, the tabernacle is dedicated and the offerings given is directed by the Lord through Moses. But in Leviticus 10.1 we see an example of what can happen when the directions of the Lord aren't obeyed. Leviticus ten one and 3, it says, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So the fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people I must be glorified. They paid a really good price for doing it their own way. But God was making a proclamation. It was his way. He is a holy God. Leviticus 16, God tells Moses how he is to be approached. And in two and three, it says, and the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering. God knew exactly how he was supposed to be approached. He gave it to them in great detail. Just as all the things we've been reading, God is a God of detail. He told them exactly there could be no misunderstanding. He told them how they were to be approached. Aaron was supposed to wear his linen garments, not his priestly robes. He had to be humble before the Lord. First, Aaron was instructed to wash his body and then put on his garments, and he was told to do the following things, to take two kids as a sin offering, and one ram as a burnt offering from the congregation of the children of Israel. He was supposed to offer the bull, which was for his consecration, uh, for himself and his atonement for himself and his family. You, they took the two goats and they presented them to the Lord at the, at the door of the tabernacle. They cast lots over the two goats. One was offered to the Lord. The other was a scapegoat. The one goat was sacrificed, the other presented to the Lord with the sins of the people were ceremoniously put on the goat and it was led into the wilderness. Only after these sacrifices could Aaron bring the blood and the coals from the altar of incense into the Holy of Holies. Only then. And you can bet after what happened in the first part of of chapter 10 that they didn't come any other way. There is a lot more involved in the ceremony than we're going to go into, but you get the idea. God had a specific way he was to be approached. You might ask, if God wanted to be near his people, why did he make them jump through so many hoops? The answer is really pretty simple, because God is holy. Scripture tells us over and over and over that God is a holy God. Leviticus 19.2 says, Speak to all the generations of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. First Samuel 2.2 2, No one is holy like the Lord. Isaiah 6.3 Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. First 1 Peter 1.15 But as he who called you is holy, you also should be holy in your conduct. Revelations 3.7 these things say, he who is holy, he who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. That's pretty much a God who's in charge of everything. And he is holy. Revelations 15, 4, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations shall come and worship before you. So, You could go on and on. We could stand up here for a long time, just telling you all the scriptures that say God is holy. But you get the idea. All through scripture, it says God is holy. And that's why you couldn't just waltz into his presence. God was showing the people of Israel that sin had separated them from God. Sin has a damaging impact on our lives. Look around you. It damages us physically, psychologically, and spiritually. People are sick or hurt because of sin, because of their reckless behavior. We can see that sin takes its toll on the minds of people. You know, the further you go into sin, the more you give yourself over to it, the worse it becomes, the more you want. It damages you. And spiritually, it goes without saying, it separates you from God. Because God is not, you know, he does not tolerate sin. It separates us. Our sinfulness impacts the way we view ourselves and the way we view God. God knew this and he set forth a plan to bring us to him. We see in Leviticus a foreshadowing of God's ultimate plan. Just as we saw in the lessons on the tabernacle, God is showing us an illustration of how he planned to solve the sin problem. He's outlining it for us. And it's a foreshadowing of what he does later. Just like the tabernacle. Just what they said, what Joy said, everything points to Jesus. Atonement is the central theme of Leviticus. And in chapter 16, God is outlining the Day of Atonement, or on the Jewish calendar, Yom Kippur. On this day, a special sacrifice is made on behalf of all the people of Israel for their uncleanness, their transgressions, and their sin. The objective of the sacrificial ceremony is clear. It's a cleansing. They had to be clean to approach God. And I thought one of the more interesting um, things about it, and we, I mentioned it briefly, but is the scapegoat, which is let outside camp and let loose in the wilderness. The sin was the, the priest laid his hands on the one goat and, and he laid all the sins of the nation on this goat ceremoniously. And then they took the goat. The one goat was separated and sacrificed for the sin. The other goat, the sin was placed on and it was taken outside the camp limits and it was let loose. Sin was removed from the camp, but you have to note it was only removed. It wasn't obliterated. Because the blood of bulls and goats and lambs could not take away sin. It could only cover it. could only cover it from one day of atonement to the next. God had reasons for what he told Aaron to do. He had him cleanse his body to remind him that he, Aaron, was unclean and sinful. By the washing and then the sacrificing of the bull, Aaron could be ceremoniously clean to approach God. Sin was not his identity after that. Sin is not our identity. Sometimes the enemy would have us believe that what we did wrong in our lives identifies us and holds us back. That it's like a mugshot and it says sinner. It says liar, cheat. But that's not our identity once we come to the Lord. All that's wiped away and you don't have to own that. Aaron was told, That when he could enter the Holy of Holies, only on the Day of atonement, he couldn't enter any time he wanted to. And after he entered, he was told to sprinkle the blood on the altar. He was told exactly where to sprinkle the blood. It was very meaningful. But you know, thank goodness God had another plan for us because of Jesus. Jesus is God's other plan for us. All of this. All the things we've read about, all the studying we've done, it all points to Jesus. And when Jesus came on the scene and died, it changed everything. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. He tells us to come boldly. The sermon yesterday told us to come boldly. So why don't we? Why do so many of us have a problem coming boldly? We tentatively approach God. We approach Him with a preoccupied spirit or mind. We pray because we think we know we're supposed to. So I better spend some time in prayer. We cautiously approach because we feel unworthy. We don't des- like we don't deserve to approach Him. So I want to talk about three things that hinder us from approaching God. The first is fear. Some of us are afraid of God. We're afraid of what he might ask us to do. We're afraid of what he might tell us not to do. We may fear that he won't answer us at all. We're just kind of afraid to come into his presence. We're hesitant. The next is anger. Some of us are angry at others. We're angry at our circumstances. We're angry at ourselves. And a lot of times we're angry at God. We blame God. In our generation, we have to blame somebody other than ourselves usually because everybody, hardly anybody owns up for something. You know, it's always, well, bad beginning, poor parents, you know. And a lot of times we blame God. It definitely changes the way we approach him if we're mad at him or even our desire to approach him. The third one is shame. It makes us feel like we have to hide from God. Or we try to clean ourselves up before we come to him. You know, it's like, well, I haven't been very good, so I better get my act together and then I can pray. We think we can pretend with God like we pretend with each other. But it doesn't work because God sees right through the mask because he already knows us. So what's the answer? The answer is all wrapped up in Jesus. He is the reason we don't have to sacrifice goats and bulls he is the reason we don't have to ceremoniously clean ourselves because of him we don't have to be afraid to approach god we can bring our anger to god and have him heal us have you ever been angry with god and gone and just told him i have i really have i have just you know until i ran out of breath basically and the holy spirit said are you through have you ever been mad at God? God's big enough. He can handle it. And he can heal us. Jesus takes away our shame along with our sin. What we need is to really understand what Jesus' death and resurrection did for us and by faith grasp the truth of God's perfect plan. You can come boldly to the throne of grace, but you can also come freely. We don't have to wait. Any time? Any place, come directly to God. And Jesus is the reason that we have a personal relationship with the almighty God. This is terrific, wonderful, beyond anything we deserve. However, you know, when I was writing this, I was thinking, we sometimes, I think we've lost sight sometimes of what this freedom cost God. Of what it meant to God to allow us to do this. I think that we sometimes focus on the liberty we have in God's grace, which is terrific, but we forget that we serve a holy God. An old hymn says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy. While we don't have to be afraid of God, I think we've lost another kind of fear of the Lord. We've lost our reverence for the presence of God. Sometimes we take him too lightly. We can come tritely or casually to him. And that's not wrong. It's just not right all the time. We no longer act like we're aware of who we serve. We lack a reverence for his name. It seems like we have allowed sin into our midst, sometimes into our lives, and you know what? We don't even call it sin anymore. We're just used to it. It's just all around us. Like we talked about before, you wash your feet because you get dirty walking through the world. And we don't even recognize it sometimes. And it seems like as we do this and we don't approach God the way maybe we should, we justify what's going on around us, sometimes even entertain it. But you know what? That's not the end of it. Because because of Jesus, we can come to God any and repent. Any time. doesn't have to just be that first time we're saved. You get a little dirty out there, come and wash. Because God wants to be near to us. We as Christians can humbly come before God not fearfully but humbly and repent because Jesus paid for our forgiveness and we can claim it any time we want, not just once a year. God's plan started before creation. It made its way through Noah and Abraham and Joseph into Egypt. Then Moses deliverance, the tabernacle, and it showed up on the Day of Atonement. A plan conceived in love, a plan conceived in love, his plan for us. His love for us so we could know him and be near him, so he can draw near to us. God did all this because he wanted to be with his people. All because of Jesus, our sacrificial lamb. We get to go free. You know, that was pretty much going to be the end. But as I stopped there, all these things were going on in my mind. And I sat down, and I just started to kind of write a new ending. And I was reading what I'd written, and my head filled with a direction I hadn't even considered. When we don't focus on the totality of who God is and recognize all of his facets, all of the attributes of God, I think we diminish God. And if we diminish God, and we don't get a total picture of who we are in God. And as I kind of thought that out, um, the Holy Spirit was just kind of running that around in my head. And I thought, wow, that's just, I don't know, I mean can see we can't know who we are until we really know who he is because we belong to him. He did all this for us. So it was about quarter to 12 then and I thought I need to go to bed. <laughs> I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't think this through. I'm, I'm too tired. So I went up to bed and I couldn't go to sleep and I tossed and I turned. And, and the Holy Spirit kept running this through my head and I said, what are you telling me? I said, what do you want me to know? I know that God is love. He's grace and mercy, totally into forgiveness. He's also righteous, and he's holy, and he's fierce. We serve the God who can part waters, who can move mountains, who can hold the world together, it says. He can also break it apart. We serve a God who can bring fire down from heaven, who was the pillar of fire, who was the, the cloud. That's our God. We serve Him. He's—I like all the nice attributes of God that we want to put forth, but you know He's also the other God. Because it'd be nice if, if he, he is gracious. He does love us, oh so much. He is has mercy, and He's that Daddy who wants us in His lap. But He's also God Almighty, who says, "I am holy." And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, God doesn't change his stance on sin just because the world did. He didn't. He hasn't walked away from justice and vengeance. I think when we view God as a total picture of who he is, then we realize that this God wanted to dwell in me. You have to personalize it. You can't say wanted to dwell in us or in the world own it. He did all this for you. He's that big a God, and you belong to him, and he wanted you. Not because we need, but we need to individualize this. We need to own it. When we realize who he is, we can realize and claim who we are in him. And I, as I laid there, and I thought, Oh, wow. And the Holy Spirit said, think about it. Just think about it. And I'm not even going to tell you the reaction I had because I'm going to ask you to do something. But I know that I was totally overwhelmed to think about that God, all of that God, not just little pieces of him. The whole God thing wanted me. He loved me. I belong to him. So you know what? We can pray the way Pastor Rick said yesterday. We can proclaim because we belong to that God. That God who spoke the world into existence, he tells you that you belong to him. He loved you so much he did all of this. And he sent his son to die so that we got to go free. We have that authority. We have that power. You know, we have the power. We can carry out the Great Commission. We can proclaim the name of Jesus because we belong to that God. And what I want you to do is is a shorter version of what the Holy Spirit asked me to do. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about God. Think about all the things you know about God, all the things you've read about God, and then personalize it. Think that God, that God loves me, me. Say your name if you need to. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to just do that. So now I'm going to ask you around your tables, for one or two of you, if that was really special for you, share how you felt. What did did the Holy Spirit say to you? What did that mean? Dear Lord, I thank you for this time with you, and I thank you that you care so much about us that you want us to understand how much you care about us and who you are. I thank you for your presence. Just be in our midst, dear God. Thank you. Amen.